We love the Lord today and we thank God for his presence. I'm grateful that the presence of the Lord is in this place today. And I believe that his word is going to speak to our hearts. Hallelujah. Is your heart open and ready to receive the word of God this morning? Hallelujah. We are looking forward to what the Lord is going to do today. And we welcome all of our guests. We are delighted that you are here. Let's give all of our guests a great big hand. God bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're so honored that you are here this morning. And uh, the presence of the Lord is in this place. And, and where the presence of the Lord is, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So there's liberty here this morning. Liberty from the chains of bondage. Liberty from all that would bind, all that would, that would constrict us from living our life for the Lord. God is here to set us free. And if we'll know the truth, the truth shall make us free. And so we praise his name for that this morning. From the gospel according to Matthew, the seventh chapter, I would like to invite your attention to Matthew chapter 7. And we will begin reading at the 24th verse. I do want to remind you that uh, this evening there will be not be service because there will be a very involved life group uh, leadership training. And uh, so we're looking forward to our life groups in 2018. Amen. It's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity for the Lord to touch many lives. And that's why we're here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. I want to preach for just a few moments this morning on a, on a simple subject, but one that all too often we forget. I would like to preach to you on this subject. Build your house on the rock. Build your house. Hallelujah. Build your house on the rock. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. Because you're here and we can feel that you are here. We know that you are near us. Your word is life and spirit. And I pray today that your word would go forth unfettered with power and with wisdom and I pray that it would cause us to be changed in our spirit changed in our hearts changed in our minds Lord you know what the enemy has brought against us I pray you will lift us up over every effort of the enemy to bring us down in the precious name of Jesus let your word come to us today with great power and authority hallelujah Hallelujah. Let your anointing rest upon me as I preach, upon your congregation as we hear, and we thank you for it today. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning in the name of the Lord. Years ago, I was reading a book, and this book was, had to do with the 20 greatest speeches ever given. The greatest speeches ever given, I guess, in the history of the world. And of course... Um, it had some of the ones that we are more familiar with, perhaps are uh, more modern in their context. It, of course, referenced the speech given by President Ronald Reagan outside the Brandenburg Gate when he famously challenged 
the Soviet Premier Mikhail Gorbachev to come to this gate and Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall and thus was set in motion a series of events that, that really did culminate in the falling of the Berlin Wall, something people didn't believe would ever happen. They, of course, recorded the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as he stood upon the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and, and declared to the world that I have a dream, a dream where people would no longer be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. And it indeed changed the world, thank the Lord. Involved the words, included the words of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy when he gave his first inaugural speech and said to the nation, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It included the words of President Franklin Roosevelt when he was describing that December 7th, 1941 would be a day that would live in infamy and that that we would win through to absolute victory and have nothing to fear but fear itself. And they kept going back into time. They, they included the words of President Abraham Lincoln as he stood upon that Gettysburg battlefield and, and spoke to this horrific battle that had just ripped the nation apart but was valiantly fought and... and he brought to the attention of those people there who had, who had come to mourn the loss of so many soldiers. And he reminded them that fourscore and seven years ago, there was a great liberty that was brought forth upon this continent. And that that's what that battle was about, making sure that that liberty reached everybody. And they just kept going back in time until they came to the Sermon on the Mount. The words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And I, I've got to tell you, I was glad they put it in there. I thought about time somebody gave him his due credit. Of course, man can't give him enough credit. But you listen to the words of this great sermon on the mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on to describe that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He continues on with one of the most amazing speeches as this book would call it of course continuing on to tell us that to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness all these things shall be added unto you judge not that you be not judged and beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves folks this was more than a great speech and while I appreciated them giving Jesus do credit regarding the, the greatness of this speech. This was so far above and beyond any speech the world had ever heard. There was no president that could equal the words given by Jesus on that mount that day in that sermon. There was no orator that could articulate or, or could it, it explain a particular concept in a way that would ever equal the brilliance the divine brilliance. And as a matter of fact, when he finished his Sermon on the Mount, the Bible says that, that when they heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Because unlike any other speaker they had ever heard, unlike any other orator that they had ever sat under, 
There had never been another speaker that they had ever listened to. The scribes knew the Old Testament inside and out, had recorded the Old Testament meticulously, and could quote any part of it at the drop of a hat. You just ask them. They could outquote any of us concerning the Old Testament. But when Jesus spoke, it was different than when the scribes spoke. For he spoke as one having authority. The key word in that word authority is author. Jesus had authorship. He was the one who put it all together. Folks, he didn't just author the words. He is the word. He's just different than any. He he, he doesn't just talk about liberty. He is liberty. He does not beckon people to the cause of freedom. He is freedom. Oh, hallelujah. And so when Jesus spoke, he spoke as one having authority. And when he came to the conclusion of this great sermon on the mount, he said, now listen, I've given you a lot today, but don't just listen to what I say and do nothing with it. Don't be like somebody that beholds their self in a mirror and observes all that needs to be adjusted but makes no adjustments. He said, if a man or a woman hears these words that I've spoken to you today and does them, then he's like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock and the rain descended and oh, did the rain come down. And the floods came against him. And the winds began to blow. And they beat upon the house that the wise man had built upon the rock. But when the rain stopped falling, and when the flood waters receded, and when the wind began to let up its, its, its savage effect upon that rock and that house, that house stood under the strain of that horrible storm, for it was founded upon the words I'm speaking to you right now. Hallelujah. And if you tear these words and you don't do these words, then you're like a foolish person who builds their house upon sand. And when they build their house upon sand, they do so at their own peril because the same rain will fall, the same floods will come, the same type of storm will ensue, but their house will fall and great will be the fall of it. And so we understand that when we hear the word of the Lord, When we do the word of the Lord, we are building our house upon a rock. When we don't do the word of the Lord, then we are building our house upon the sand. And this is interesting because when we do the word of the Lord, not only are we building our house upon a rock, but we are demonstrating wisdom. And when we don't do the word of the Lord, then then not only are we building our house upon the sand, but we are demonstrating foolishness. So the Lord calls us to hear these words and understand that if we'll do these words, then we're like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now we talk a lot about the rock in church and in the scriptures. We talk a lot about the rock. In fact, there's songs that that have been written for years about the rock, some of the most powerful songs that have ever been recorded concerning the church of the living God include the concept of a rock in them. One particular song says, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Hallelujah. One song said, where do I go when the storms of life are threatening? Where do I go when the winds of sorrow blow? Who am I going to turn to? Who am I going to lean on? Hallelujah. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain and the mountain says, stand by me. When the earth all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter and when I need a friend, I go to the rock. 
Hallelujah. I think sometimes we take for granted the language of these songs. What I mean by that is we sing them or we preach them and people clap and people rejoice. But if you don't know what those songs are referring to in their depth, then then you don't altogether realize the, the power of the concept of a rock and how it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand it means strength. I know I can go to the rock and and there's stability there and there's foundation there and there's strength there. But, But I want you to know why God created a rock in the first place. God created a rock so you could understand the strength of his salvation for you. He created a rock so that you could understand that that thing stands when everything else has fallen, that rock will stand. Will stand the test of time. I'm going to tell you something. You look at that rock we're looking at right now. I don't care what kind of wind comes against that rock. That thing's going to be right there. You look at that rock right there. Listen, it doesn't matter what kind of rain falls on that rock. It doesn't matter what kind of a lightning storm develops around that rock. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, how difficult the test or the trial. That rock is set. It is set. We use the term set in stone because that refers to stability. That refers to long lastedness. And so God created a rock so we could understand his power and the settled nature of God. So the scripture says, who is the Lord? Save our God. And who is a rock? Save the Lord. The Bible is teaching us that our God is is a rock hallelujah in a weary land and culture may shift around you but God is the rock that doesn't shift with the shifting of culture he said I am the Lord and I change not he is Jesus Christ the same yesterday today hallelujah and forever I want you to understand ladies and gentlemen when I preach to you about the rock of ages I'm preaching to you about the Lord Jesus Christ hallelujah hallelujah oh hallelujah I'm just going let's just cut through the metaphors and the analogies and allegories and just get right down to it when I'm telling you to build your house on a rock I'm telling you to build your house on Jesus Come on, let's just get to brass taxes. You better build your house upon Jesus because when all else fails and when all else fades and when things come and things go and people come and people leave, Jesus, hallelujah, will never leave you and Jesus will never forsake you. He stands the test of time. Oh, hallelujah. And so the the word of the Lord an account in the scriptures where the children of Israel had put all of their faith in God. Now, folks, they had in Egypt, they had at least a roof over their head. In Egypt, at least they had access to food and to water. But now God said, I'm going to bring you up out of Egypt. And so they're going to trust God with everything they have. And they're going to put all of their faith in God. And so the children of Israel break forth out of Egypt. There was a tug of war between principalities. God moved upon Egypt in a in a ferocious way and released Israel from the bondage of Egypt. But when Israel came out of Egypt, some would say, well, now you're on your own. The wrong way to put it. They're not on their own. They have the Lord with them. Now, they may not be able to see him, but the Lord is a rock in a weary land. Hallelujah. And he's a rock. Hallelujah. He's a rock. It doesn't matter how unstable the ground feels under your feet. The Lord is the rock upon which you can stand. And so Israel comes out of Egypt and immediately they're faced with the Red Sea. Moses says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He stretches his rod over the water and the waters part hither and thither. The children of Israel walk through on dry ground. They come up on the other side, start shouting and dancing. Egypt comes into the water, Pharaoh and his armies. The waters collapse upon Pharaoh and his armies. And the children of Israel have been saved. They have been delivered. They have been rescued from the hand of the adversary now they're on their own some would say 
but they're not on their own. They're, they're, they're with the Lord and the Lord's going to take good care of them. The Bible says that they came to a place where they were so thirsty and had nothing to drink. And so they came to Moses with their complaint. They said, where in the world are we going to find something to drink? And the Lord said to Moses, I want you to go to this rock and I want you to smite the rock. And, and, and he said, what do you mean smite the rock? He said, take that staff that's in your hand and go hit the rock. Some folks could look at Moses and call him crazy, but God was teaching him something about the rock because, because what, what we understand now in hindsight is that, that that rock, the scripture teaches us, as a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 gives us the whole account. The apostle Paul is teaching the church at Corinth and he's teaching people who don't know anything about Moses. They don't know anything about Israel. These are Corinthians. These are Greeks. These are Gentiles. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul wrote them and said, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. I don't want you to stay in a position of not knowing where we come from. There is history to what we have experienced and what we're experiencing now. He was telling the church at Corinth, you might feel like you're in a wilderness of your own. You might feel like there's no hope for you. You might be thirsty and wondering where your next drink is going to come from. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. The Apostle Paul is telling the church at Corinth that when Moses is standing on that mountain and the Lord tells him to smite the rock, the Lord was teaching Moses something far deeper than giving him a little water fountain right here, right now, in the middle of this desert place. He was showing him the real fountain of life that will spring up, hallelujah, into everlasting life in the life of every believer. It shall be in you, well of living water springing up into everlasting life but he said it's going to happen when the rock is smitten when Moses smote that rock it was a teaching it was a foreshadowing of when Jesus the Christ would be smitten at Calvary's cross just as the soldier put his spear into the side of Christ and blood and water flowed from his side so when Moses smote the rock the rock parted and water came forth from the rock hallelujah see that rock followed them and that rock was Christ. This wasn't the first time that Israel encountered the rock. Remember, that rock followed them. That rock followed them through every up and through every down. That rock followed them into every valley. That rock followed them up onto every mountain high. That rock followed them when Israel wouldn't follow the rock. The rock was following them. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jacob left Esau and he went looking for running from Esau for fear of his own life but when he came to a point where he could run no more and I feel like I'm preaching to somebody this morning you've been running and you don't feel like you can run any further Jacob came to a place where he could run no further but he had no place to lay his head but sure enough there was a rock he laid his head on the rock and folks I'm going to tell you something he used that rock as a pillow now I know some of you think your pillow is uncomfortable and I know you want that memory foam pillow and you got all this idea of what you need and what you don't need and you don't have neck support Jacob had a rock that he used as a pillow but this wasn't just any old rock this was the rock that fell. 
This was the rock that followed them. I don't know if when Jacob laid his head on that rock, I'd just do without the rock. I'll be honest with you. If I'm Jacob, I'd just put my hands behind my head and or something. I mean, I'd take my, my mantle and wrap it up and use that as a rock, as a pillow. But, but he used the rock as a pillow. I don't know if the rock situated itself differently to cradle his head. But I will tell you some things I know about my God. He's everything I need him to be. Hallelujah. He's my bread when I'm hungry. He's my water when I'm thirsty. Hallelujah. He'll be a pillow under my head or a rock upon which to build my house hallelujah he had run till he could run no further but he came to a place where he saw hallelujah the rock that followed him it was a rock that followed his grandfather Abraham it was a rock that followed his father Isaac it was a rock that followed him and it was a rock that was going to follow Joseph and it was a rock that was going to follow Israel and it was a rock that was going to follow them out of Egypt and when they got into the wilderness and had no place hallelujah to find water to drink there was going to be water to come from the rock that followed them and that rock demonstrated Jesus Christ so we talk a lot about the rock that's why we call it rock of ages (laughs) because it's here through all of the ages it was here in Abraham's life and Isaac's and Jacob's and Joseph's and Israel's and Israel when they came up out of Egypt it's the rock of ages now we say rock of ages cleft for me so, so, so we got to know what that means because we can sing that song and weep and cry and talk in tongues and not have a clue what we're talking about. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. We got to understand that's directly tied to an account in the scriptures that was a foretelling of Jesus being crucified at Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. So Moses goes to God. Again, they're, they're relying completely on the Lord. You got to understand that. They don't have, they don't have insurance. They don't have stocks and bonds. They don't have a job. They don't have anything. They have God. That's all they've got. And Moses is in the mountain with God and he is trusting in the Lord and God is speaking to him and equipping him, empowering him, emboldening him. And then Moses says to God, he's kind of raptured up in this whole experience with God. And finally he says, God, I want you to show me your glory. And we don't have any, we don't have any evidence of anybody asking God that uh, before Moses asked that. He said, God, I want you to show me thy glory. You're invisible. I hear you and I experience you and I feel you, but I can't see you. And I want you to show me your glory. I want things to begin making sense. I want to be able to see your power on display and your glory on display. I want to know who you are so I can know who I am. I want want life to begin coming together for me. And so I, I want my creator, I want my creator to show me his glory and the Lord said Moses I can't do that because you are carnal and sinful and 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 if I showed you my glory it would consume you upon the spot you wouldn't be able to handle it you 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 are in your natural state Moses and you and me and everybody else is unable to see the glory of God without it consuming us and Moses kept pressing him show me thy glory I mean, I'm in your presence, Lord. I want to see. And the Lord, the Lord was so eager to show him his glory that he said, you know what? There is actually something I can do. He said, well, then do it. He said, well, it's still going to be rough. But he said, there is a place. There is a place. By me. It is in the rock. There is a cleft. There's that word. That's where we get the word. It's from this story in the scriptures. There is a cleft in the rock. Now remember who that rock was. Anybody remember who that rock was? That rock was Christ. 
that rock followed them and that rock was Christ so when they looked upon that rock they were understanding the work of the Messiah they were understanding the operation of Jesus in this life so God said there is a place beside me and there's a cleft in the rock now we don't use that word cleft very often anymore but what it means is a place that is broken open that's what it means it's a it's an opening and it cleaves asunder and there is an opening in the rock it has cleaved open and if you will get inside the cleft of the rock where the rock was broken Yo, I'm having a hard time laying this foundation without shouting. See, where the rock, when remember who that rock was. That rock was Christ. It was to demonstrate Christ, to teach Christ, to show us what happens to Christ when he will come into the earth at a later date. So there's a place by me in the cleft of the rock. And if you will enter into that opening that has opened up, hallelujah, in the rock, you can hide inside the rock and what you can't experience in your natural flesh because you are sinful and you are carnal and you are wicked so with 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 that in mind you'll never be able to see the glory of God you'll never be able to see the power of God life will never make sense for you you'll always be disappointed you'll always have problems things will always be dysfunctional unless you get inside this little cleft this little opening in the rock and if you hide inside that rock I will cause my glory to pass before you I'm going to put my hand over your face and I'm going to cause my glory to pass before you. And as I pass before you, I'm going to, I'm going to let my hand off of your face and you're going to see the hinder parts of my glory. You can't see it just standing out in the open. You can't see it just in your flesh. It would consume you. You would die. But you can see it hidden in the cleft of the rock. Let me tell somebody, when the rock was broken, for us he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes we are healed he was smitten stricken of God and afflicted there was no comeliness that we should desire him he was broken open when the thorns were placed upon his head he was broken open when the nails went through his hands and through his feet he was broken open when the stripes were laid upon his back he was broken open hallelujah when they put the spear in his side and it's because he was broken open that I can hide myself in him hallelujah I can't see the glory of God outside of Christ Outside of that rock, it doesn't, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense to me. Outside of that rock, it all, it's all a big question mark. Life is a big question mark. And if you stay outside of Christ, you'll continue with all of the philosophers and the sages and the scholars of this world asking the age old question, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? What is my purpose? Nothing makes sense to me. And it will never make sense to you every relationship you enter into will have problems and will have challenges and it'll end in ways you didn't want it to end even if you have a good time in that relationship people die and you don't know where they go and you wish you could get a hold of them and bring them back life will continue to leave you disappointed oh but if you hide in this place there is a place hallelujah there is a place if you hear me today there is a place in the cleft of the rock in the brokenness of Christ hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not preaching to you another great message or speech. I'm not talking to you about some kind of a, of a speech that some great orator gave. I'm talking to you about the words that are spirit and the words that are life. About the rock Christ.
Christ Jesus who stands for the test of time. Throughout the scripture, it was that way. Just every time they needed the rock, the rock was there. David walks into Saul's throne room because there's some big bully out on the valley of Elah telling Israel that he'll feed their carcass to the fowl of the air. He's almost 10 feet tall, they estimate. And he's saying, send me your champion. This guy is a man of war from his youth. He's like 10 feet tall and a ninja all at the same time. I mean, he is bad to the bone. And, and he, you know, the Philistines developed this great negotiation. They said, listen, we're going to do it this way. Instead of just all the armies charging and everybody dying, he said, this way we're going to do it. We'll bring out our best warrior, and you bring out your best warrior. We'll have them to duke it out, and whoever wins, Saul said, that sounds good to us. We'll do that. We'll go get our guy. You go get your guy. Next thing they know, 10 feet tall comes walking out onto the Valley of Elah. He's got nunchucks and and he's like, send me a champion. You tell me, you, you send me your champion. I'll feed his carcass to the fowls of the air. And, 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 and the vultures will come and lick up his blood. And he's shouting all of these profanities and he's cursing. He's cursing the God of Israel. Because he can't see him. Oh, I wonder what he'd say if he could see him. He better be grateful he didn't see him. Because 10 feet tall is nothing compared to our rock. David, David, who had been in close association with the rock, walks up onto the battlefield, realizes that Israel is hiding, and Goliath is pounding his chest and chanting curses against the God of Israel. And David walks up to Saul's throne room and says, listen, I can take this guy. And Saul said, uh, you know what? He has been a warrior from his youth, and you are just a youth. How do you think you can take this guy? He said, I'm telling you that I can take this guy. Saul said, well, then you better put on some armor because he's heavily armored. You at least need to put my armor on you. David said, I don't need your armor. He said, because I'm not leaning upon your armor or my armor or anybody else's armor. I'm leaning on the rock that follows us. There's something you need to know about your heritage, Brother Saul. There's a rock that follows you. Hallelujah. Don't forsake your heritage for some kind of a whim of this world where there's weakness and there's, and there's nothingness. Instead, understand there's a rock in your weary land. It's followed your ancestors. It's going to follow you, David said. I'm going to lean on the rock that follows us. So he walks out there with a sling shot. And Goliath is like, oh, this is going to be, wow. In fact, he was insulted. He said, am I a dog? You, did you not hear what I said I'm fixing to do to this, this young lad with a, I mean, Dennis the Menace with a sling shot? He was insulted, and David said, you don't understand. I don't come against you with a sword, and I don't come against you with a spear. I come against you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of Israel. Now, I don't know what valley you're in. David was in the valley of Elah. I don't know what valley you're in today, but I will tell you like David understood. If you look, you'll find the rock followed you into that valley. They said, what do you need for weapons? You need some bullets? You need some, you need some, some nunchucks? He said, no, I don't need any of that. I just need to go find the rock. He's here somewhere. He's here somewhere. I know he's here somewhere because this rock follows us. Hey, if you trust in the Lord, he'll follow you in the hospital room. He'll follow you in the surgery room. He'll follow you in the courtroom. He'll follow you into the valley of the shadow of death. He's there. He's there. He's there. You just need to go look for him. Just go look for him. Take a little minute. Go look for him. Don't you know that's what people are doing when they've got their head bowed praying. They're looking for the rock. It's here somewhere. That's what they're doing when they got their hands waving in the air. They're feeling for the rock. Oh, I know he's here somewhere. I know I'm not alone in this. I know I'm not alone.
in this. Hey, I refuse to quit because I'm not alone. I refuse to die in this dilemma. I'm not alone. He's here somewhere. I wonder if David looked and looked and couldn't find him because he might have been looking for a big old boulder. That's what I need is a big old boulder to stand up on and be 20 feet tall. 10 feet tall, nothing. Stand up on this boulder, then we'll see who's bigger. He's looking for the boulder, there's no boulder. He doesn't always show up like you want him to show up. And he may not even show up when you want him to show up. Can I remind somebody today that he may not come when you want him. But he's always. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it again. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. He may not come how you want him. That miracle may not arrive the way you want that miracle to arrive. It might be smaller than what you want it to be, but, but, but let the rock be what the rock is and let the rock follow you. He went down into that, that brook. I mean, he's looking everywhere. He goes down into the brook. He's like feeling under the water. He's down here somewhere. And he picked up five smooth stones. Hallelujah. Some said they stood for J-E-S-U-S. Some said they stood for G-R-A-C-E. Some said it stood for F-A-I-T-H. Somebody said it stood for M-E-R-C-Y. I just think there were five smooth stones. In fact, it might have been as simple as if, what if the first one don't get him? It may, may have been just as simple as that. I have no idea. But all I know is he found the rock. He knew the rock followed him. And he didn't give up until he found the rock. I know the rock is here somewhere. I'm not in this trial by myself. I'm not going through this thing without the presence of God. Hallelujah. All he needed was one smooth stone. Because that rock followed them. And that rock was Christ. That rock knew what to do the moment that he wound that thing up. Hallelujah. You might feel like you're going in circles, but just keep going in those circles. Wind it up. Wind it up. Wind it up. Wind it up. Until he finally let that rock fly. I don't even know how good his aim was. He might have sent it way off this way. But that rock followed them. And that rock knew where to go. I don't know. I don't know. I just I just know my God and I know sometimes I send things the wrong way but because my heart is right and my motive is pure God will take God will course correct hey if God before you who can be against you better believe I'm going to build my house on this rock. You better believe I'm going to build my house on this rock. You can have your sword, your spear. You can have the armies of the Philistines. You can have Goliath in your corner. But as for me and my house. Hallelujah. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So, so, so we use this term, cleft in the rock. And what that means, that's referring to the brokenness of Jesus Christ at Calvary. That's where we hide. I am hidden in his stripes. Cancer, I'm hidden in the stripes of Christ. And I may not be able to see, I may not be able to see the glory of God out here in my flesh. But when I hide up into the wounds of Christ, into the bruises of Christ, and I move into the openings. See, 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 you got to understand, Messiah was closed off to the world. Messiah was only available to the Jews. The rock followed natural Israel. That's, they were the ones who had access to the interventions of God. The whole world 
looked upon them and wondered where is this God they speak of because all we know is is that they they worship a God that's invisible there's no idol there's no graven image they pray to him they sing to him they dance to him and when they need him he's there they were the envy of the whole world but Messiah was closed off to the rest of the world until Jesus came into the picture and was broken open. He was broken open so you and I could enter in. All of the promises of God are found in Jesus Christ. The promises of God in Christ are yea and amen. Not outside of Christ, in Christ. If any man be a new creature, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. There is no more condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We sit together in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. For you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power oh hallelujah hallelujah so this is what that means the cleft of the rock opened for me you ever heard the term the stone that the builders rejected ever heard the term Jesus Christ the chief cornerstone somebody, somebody called their church cornerstone, cornerstone tabernacle cornerstone temple and people don't know what a cornerstone is or how, how in the world Jesus is the chief cornerstone. That cornerstone is the first stone. Hallelujah. That is laid and everything else is built. And this is just, this is just architecture. Everything else is built around that cornerstone. That cornerstone sets the direction of the whole building. And so the apostle told us that this building that is fitly framed together... The church of the living God. Folks, have you noticed that the church of the living God cannot be brought down? Have you noticed that? They've burned us. They've boiled us. They've chopped our heads off. They've done everything they could. They've blown places up. They've waged war against Christianity. And nothing can bring down the church of the living God. And we're actually meek people. I mean, we're followers of blessed are the meek and blessed are the poor in heart and blessed are the pure in spirit. And blessed, blessed, blessed are they. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, and we're still standing. You want to know why? Because we are a building that is fitly framed together and we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. His obedience is the cornerstone. His victory over death, hell, and the grave is the cornerstone. His victory over all the temptation we've stumbled over is the cornerstone. And we are built, simply built around it. We're not built on talent. We're built on the rock. We're not built on skill. We're built on the rock. Thank God for talent. Thank God for skill. But, but I'm going to tell you something. You haven't seen talent until you've seen anointed talent. You know that talent you have, it's not about you using it for God's glory. You don't, you don't give God your talent so he can use your talent for his glory. No, no. God gave you your talent so you could use it for his glory. It didn't originate with you. Oh, I know you think it's in the genes. No, 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 no. It's in the blood. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something. The sooner that you can say, God, I am nothing and you are everything. See, see, you, 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 you can't truly appreciate I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me until you can fully appreciate without him I can do nothing. He is the chief cornerstone. And we are built, hallelujah, around that cornerstone. So when we talk about the stone that the builders rejected, 
Anybody ever heard that term? The stone that the, go ahead and raise your hand if you heard. The stone that the builders were, we sang it in the song. I go to the rock of my salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. And half of us don't even know what we're talking about. We're just shouting. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. It's, it's, it, you know, it rhymes with something else that's going to come later in the song. So let's put it in there. But, but the, it's a biblical term, and the writer of the song put it in there because it's a biblical term. He is the chief cornerstone. But so many people who have built society, and particularly when the Jews tried to build their salvation experience, they rejected the cornerstone. They said, we see the cornerstone. It's laid firmly. It's settled. It's established forever. But we're rejecting the cornerstone. And we'll go our own way and build our own thing. Hallelujah. That's what your society has done. The builders have rejected the cornerstone. They rejected him in their educational institutions they reject him in their political parties they reject him they reject everything about him they don't want anything to do with him there's a way that seemeth right to a man but the end thereof is death and destruction let me explain something to you ladies and gentlemen except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it Hallelujah. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. So the stone that the builders rejected is Jesus, the Christ, the cornerstone. Oh, I feel his presence. I had someone tell me one time, they said, you know, because here's what I teach, here's what I believe, here's what the Bible teaches. There's no good. There's no good in our flesh. There's no good in our flesh. Now, now, now as I say that, I mean, people are already thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not that bad, preacher. No, see, our, our, our understanding of what good is is so beneath what good actually is. Yeah, as far as this world is concerned, you're pretty good. But this world has no clue what good is. Jesus even cautioned somebody. They called him good master. And, and, and Jesus, who's more pure than anything that ever, that ever came onto this earth, looked at them and said, there's none good but God. In other words, it's not my flesh that's so good. The Father in me, he doeth the work. So somebody told me one time, they said, I, I just don't agree with you, preacher, because, because I've seen humanity do good stuff. I've seen them do good things. But you've got to understand, ladies and gentlemen, even the good stuff we do is as filthy rags. I'm going to say that again. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. That's not talking about self-righteousness. That's talking about the really, really good stuff we do. The best we got is filthy rags. When I stand before his judgment, I, 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 I'm going to line up all these people that I tried to help and tried to minister to and say, look what I did, God. See? And all of it will be filthy rags compared to his goodness. Compared to heaven, compared to holy heaven. I said compared to holy heaven. All of it's just filthy rags. What I consider to be noble is so beneath what is actually noble. What I consider to be pure is so beneath what is actually pure. Let me tell you how I can be noble. How I can be pure. There's only one way. There is a place beside me in the cleft of the rock. Hide yourself in the rock hide yourself in the rock Christ Jesus oh hallelujah so a wise man looks at this rock and he says I see that it's going to stand the test of time I see that there's no storm that can come against it that will bring it down I, I, I see that no wind no rain can bring down this rock. What am I going to do with this rock? He said, I know what I'll do with this rock. I could dance around it. 
I could come to it every Sunday morning and at 10.30 and raise my hands and sing to it. I could do all that. I could, I could pray to it. I could, I could even abstain from food and come sit by this rock and abstain from food fast. But he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do all that. But more importantly, I'm going to build my house upon this rock. I'm going to set the footers down upon this rock. And I'm going to connect myself to this thing that's going to stand forever and last ever, ever, everlasting. Everlasting. I'm going to build my house upon this rock. When you bring your family to the house of God and worship him, you're building your house upon the rock. When you repent from your sins and turn from your wicked ways, you're building your house upon the rock. When you are baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you're building your house upon the rock. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise that is unto you and to your children, you're building your house upon the rock. When you choose to follow him instead of the ways and the whims of this world, you're building your house upon the rock. And I want you to know that when the winds come and when the rains descend and when the floods rise, your house will stand through every wind of doctrine. Your house will stand through every flood the enemy come, brings against you because you've built your house upon the rock. Could you praise him with me right now? Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If our musicians could come at this time, I want you to hear what I'm saying to you this morning. I want you to hear what I'm saying to you this morning. Some of you are worried about things, things that are outside of your control. You know what I'm talking about? Is that somebody here this morning, things that are outside of your control? You don't know what storm will pop up next. You don't know when the rain will fall, when the ice will come. Just last night, we had ice on the roadways. You don't know when that's going to pop up overnight. You don't know when the problems of life are going to emerge, but you don't have to worry about any of it. Just build your house upon the rock. And it doesn't matter what rain comes and what winds may come and what floods may come. You are situated upon the rock, the rock Christ Jesus, hidden in the cleft of the rock, hidden with Christ in God. I want somebody that's got a worry that's weighing on their spirit. I want you to lift your hands right now and release that worry to God. All across this building, release that worry to God right now. Release it to God right now. Come on, stuff you can't control, stuff that's outside of your control. You don't know what the answer is. You don't know what's going to happen. Come on, release it to God right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want somebody right now that's got something going on in their life that they can't control. I want, you to, I want you to give it to God in this service this morning. Can we do that? Is that all right? Can we do that in this house? In the name of the Lord. You know what? You're, when you do that, you're building your house upon the rock. When you say, I'm going to let God have this. You're building your house. Hallelujah. You're building your house upon the rock. God, I know you're here with me. I know you're in this with me. I'm not here by myself, but Lord, you are. You are with me. Hallelujah. Even to the ends of the earth. I want you to stand if you could. Let's stand across this house and let's lift up our hands unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. The spirit of the Lord is in this place. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Now, let me tell you what I've done this morning by the grace of God, by the help of the Holy Ghost. I have preached Jesus. Let me tell you what happens when Jesus is preached. Every stronghold comes down. Every principality is subdued. Hallelujah. Every imagination is cast down. You're trying to view life from the perspective of, of your own flesh and from your own approach to things. But go ahead and approach life hidden with Christ in God. 
in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Ha, hallelujah. All across this building right now, I want you to lift up your hands and say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you everything in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want somebody to come to the front right now. Come to the front. Somebody that wants to seek God and needs a touch from God in this service. Needs a touch of God in your life right now. I want you to come forward in the name of the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. That's it. Somebody else come in the name of Jesus. Somebody else come in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. That's it. Go ahead and come down saying, God, I'm releasing my worries to you. I'm releasing my pain to you. I'm releasing my strife to you. Everything that I have in my life that I can't control, I'm giving it all to you, oh God. I'm giving it all to you, oh God. Come on, that's it. God bless you in the name of Jesus. God bless you in the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. Hallelujah. My hope. Yes, Lord. You give me peace. 